0: What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. I know it's been a minute. Um, we had some technical difficulties uh, on our last episode, so uh, you guys didn't get to hear it. Um, Brady, what's up, man?
1: Nothing much, man. You know, we might have more lost tapes episodes than actual tapes
0: episodes man that's the truth it really is uh yeah so basically the what we record the the uh our audio in didn't save my computer decided to shut everything down so we couldn't basically wasted an hour of our time um but it's all good um let's talk about some news and notes man as as we start recording uh we just found out that Amari um, Cooper has been traded, and it's you know two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. So you know, deal trade deadline's right around the corner. Um, what do you make of that?
1: Looks like that Gruden is just trying to get his players in there. He's trying to move players out that's not part of his culture. Ship them out, bring in his own talent. Really can't argue with them because it worked before. But then again, he won a Super Bowl with somebody else's talent. Doesn't seem it was going in that direction this year though.
0: See, here's my, here's always my, my knock on that. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe he did win with Tony Dungy's team, but the team he played <laughs> to win that Super Bowl was a team he built. So it's not like, you know, that that Raiders team was a Super Bowl caliber team anyway. So, uh, defensive um,
1: Raiders yeah. fans, I was just joking. You love, I, Man.
0: but people always say it. <laughs> oh, Gruden ain't shit. He won with Tony. It's like, all right, but yeah, he what team did he beat? Yeah. So, um. But anyway, yeah, Cooper, I think, man, that's a good deal for both teams. I actually think that Amari Cooper is a very good, dynamic, young receiver. Um, I just think he was playing with a real bitch-ass quarterback uh, <laughs> that won't throw him the ball. And um, I, But I, I think, really, to get a first-round pick for him, if you're the Raiders, you're happy. And if you're Dallas, you know, that's iffy. But, I mean, you at least know that you have a two-time Pro Bowler who's put up 1,000 yards twice uh, in his you know three-year or four-year career now. Um, the, well, Dallas, the, he's he's Dallas good.
1: Absolutely had to get some help though. I mean, you got Dak Prescott there. Dak Prescott is coming up on his extension. Um, I'm I'm a big believer that if I'm Dallas, I give Dak his extension right now, <laughs> because if you do not, then you're going to be coming after Carson Wentz, after Jared Goff, and I don't think you really want to do that, because no matter if you believe that he's a franchise quarterback or not, he's going to get paid that money because he's young and he's good. It, he his stats are up there with both Goff and Carson Wentz. So if they get 32 million a year, then you might end up paying Dak 33 32 million a year and I don't know if everybody's okay with that by based on what we've seen.
0: So people have talked about, you know, what the Raiders are doing and I mean, you look at it, man, the fastest way to rebuild is is through the draft and and as we sit today in week 7 or we now we're going into week 8. Man, this season's flown yeah, by. It's week seven, yeah. But so currently, week seven, the Raiders are holding the number four pick, which is surely to just get worse. Uh, the number nine pick, which is Dallas's pick, and then the number fifteen pick, which is Chicago's pick. So you, you're talking about if things keep going the way they are. I mean, you assume the Raiders are going to have a top two or three pick. I I don't think this move does much for Dallas in terms of you know how I feel about wide receivers. I just I don't think that they make that much of a difference in wins and losses. So I anticipate that that's still going to be a but in, top but in 10, Dallas top 12 draft pick. But in
1: that's different, though. I mean, just saying, does a receiver come and change your team? No. But if you put a receiver on an already good team, then it can. I mean, I look at the Eagles when they got T.O. T.O. wasn't the whole team, but he made a huge impact because that's all that team needs. Um, I think all Dallas is missing is a playmaker. I mean, you got Zeke in the run game. Your offensive line struggled this year, but eventually they should that's get That's what together. I was going to say. The
0: line is bad. But
1: – I mean, Dak can make plays. just literally has no one getting open. I know they think they're open, but you're throwing it to Alan Hearns and Bryce Butler. If I'm Dak, I'm not throwing it in coverage to those bums. They're going to give me some picks tipping it up in there and missing it. So, I don't blame Dak. The, the thing that I would say is that you get Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper's best asset is going deep, in my opinion. And I don't think that's Dak's best asset. So... Should be interesting to see, man. But I think both teams needed to make this move. I think it's better for the Raiders in Dallas because Dallas doesn't have a good history of trading for players and then it working out. But I'm a Dallas hater, so I thought I like the fact that the Raiders got a first, and I hope this blows up in their face. Truthfully.
0: Yeah, and I just I think that you know there's there's actually rumors that they're looking to move Derek Carr. Um, that you know he's been linked to being traded to Jacksonville. Um, if I'm Oakland. I think it's a good move for both teams. If I'm Oakland, I just I give Derek Carr a fresh start. I do think he still has some talent. I just think I think that motherfucker is gun shy, playing with PTSD or something like. Think, I mean,
1: what do you think Derek Carr is worth? If Amari Cooper is worth a first, what is Derek Carr worth?
0: I think Derek Carr is worth a package of picks. Um, I, I think whether it's it's two seconds, whether it's a first and a fourth, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I do think that you can get a first or you can get two second-round picks for him um, because one thing that everybody in the league's know, knows is Derek Carr is talented. He has shown when he's right that he can play at a very high level. Um, and if you're Oakland, maybe you do say, hey, look, we just give this guy one more year in our system, um, and after next year, if it's still going the same way, then we cut bait. That's not a bad move, but at, at this current point, it looks like Gruden is just looking to I mean, like you said, bring in his guys, but also you really do have to just blow this whole thing up. There's no point of being mediocre. There's no point of, you know, just kind of diddling around because you don't get better that way. So if Jacksonville is willing to pony up a couple picks, you know, high caliber picks, then you do it.
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't believe that I don't believe that John Gruden really cares about quarterback anyway. I mean, not care. I don't think he wants to invest a lot. In a quarterback and having that salary on the books, I don't think he likes that at the quarterback position unless you have a real star. So I look for him to go get a veteran quarter, quarterback. I could see you guys trading car and then next year going to get like a Case Keenum and trying to rebuild the defense or something. Um,
0: Which isn't a bad move. I mean, you look at something like that, like if a Kirk Cousins was available next year, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that would actually be a very good move. You have a ready made defense. That's kind of, I mean, it's like John what the Broncos did.
1: I mean, with the, uh, Rich Gannon, you just got a, a really good old quarterback, really, really accurate quarterback. Right. But the other quarterbacks that he had in Tampa were just kind of quarterbacks, you know, off the streets. I mean, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. I mean, that's the kind of quarterback that he usually invests in while he tries to build up the D-line and offensive line and defense. So that's what I look for you guys to be looking to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that's a good strategy. And, and you know, John Gruden does have that security to where he knows he's not going to be fired. So it's a, it, maybe he walks into Mark Davis's office and says, you know, hey, man, look, you don't really have shit here. Uh, y'all haven't drafted well. This team isn't going to compete right now. Give me three years. We're going to tear this thing up, and then we'll re- rebuild it. And when we get to Vegas, we'll be rocking. So well, it does maybe that's seem that's like plan. they're
1: preparing for Vegas. It definitely seems like they want to have a winner by the time they get to Vegas, which... Cause Vegas is one of those cities. If you don't have a winner, you don't catch the attention. And so many other things to do. I think they want to catch the attention in the heart of Vegas early, kind of like Brooklyn wanted to do, but in a totally wrong manner. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, uh, so mean. I don't got a lot on NFL, but yeah, that's an interesting story. What do you think about the Ohio State loss? That pretty much sh- shaking up the whole college football playoff now.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, as, as you and I have talked about before, we already have kind of both agreed that, um, that the PAC 12 had no shot of getting in and that we really just thought it was going to be Ohio state, Clemson, um, Alabama, and then sneaking someone else in there and Notre Dame, um, with Ohio state losing, that's good for Oklahoma. That's good for Georgia. Um, you know, I, lsu i mean i well does stanford have one loss or two losses
1: i think they have two because they beat oregon so they may only have one i can't remember truthfully
0: i think stanford's a one loss
1: team so they might have an outside shot of getting in i don't really think it matters (laughs) i mean truthfully yeah in the grand scheme of things whether stanford has one or two it doesn't matter because the end of the year they still have to play washington again uh they're Pac 12 is pretty much beating up on each other because Oregon gave Washington its second loss and then they turn around and take their second loss to Washington State. So, but this isn't. A- oh, no, they, they lost Utah. Yeah. You're right. No, Stanford's yeah. done. Yeah. So you got, I mean, your top three teams have two losses USC, Stanford, Oregon, Washington. They all have two losses. So, yep. I mean, there's nowhere they can go. They're totally out, in my opinion. Um, then you have Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, all undefeated. And then OU is with one loss. Um, Notre, you know, that's four right there because if you look at it, I don't think the way the schedule's pant out that the SEC can get two teams in, especially since most of, pretty much all their teams except Alabama, all the contenders have already lost one. So it would take, you know.
0: L- I think if LSU goes undefeated and they beat, Alabama, I think Alabama still gets in and I think that LSU would get in. See,
1: I don't see I think the only way that happens is if I just don't know how they get in without winning the conference. I'm trying to think of what happened last year to allow Alabama to get in. I believe Ohio State had two losses, right? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to see how could you uh, how could you justify letting Alabama in or letting yeah, without winning again and you would have theoretically you're going to have three conference winners because clemson would have to win the conference to get in and either ou and texas would have to win the conference to get in so you'll have one loss uh conference champions even ohio state could run through the table and win their conference so you could have three one loss teams all this conference championships how would bama get in over them
0: Right, but Ohio State losing to Purdue is—I mean, that—that's done.
1: But it could—it it might Al- not necessarily be Ohio State. It still could be Michigan. Michigan only has one loss.
0: Right, but I'm saying, but Alabama losing to the number four at this moment, LSU, is still a tough. I mean, that's a—that's a bigger win. Now I, they I don't disagree But if they you, lost to
1: LSU, then they wouldn't get in. It'd be just like last year. I just think last year Ohio State had two losses. That's the only reason Bama got in.
0: Yeah, I and I, I mean, you're look, you're you're looking at three undefeated teams left, right? Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Um, I think that if Notre Dame goes undefeated, they're in. If Clemson goes undefeated, they're in, and then it just comes down to, let's say Alabama loses, comes down to Alabama and whoever's got the best, you know, who's playing the best at the time between Texas and Michigan. Well, maybe well, maybe maybe in Oklahoma, would definitely
1: have to lose because that's the only way a second right. team is in there. Because otherwise, Alabama gives everybody their second loss.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think I think there's a path for it, depending on when Alabama loses. Um, like I said, if they lose in the SEC championship game to a uh, one-loss LSU team, well, no, it
1: would have to be. I
0: think Alabama it would have to be a
1: one-loss Georgia. Oh, team.
0: you're right. It would have to be Georgia. Now that I think about it, I don't think any. I, I, you're right. I don't think two SEC team get in. Because I
1: think Georgia, I Georgia has to play Auburn, and then yeah. uh,
0: and I don't think Georgia can beat Alabama. Yeah, and so.
1: then Georgia would go to the. Um, finals no matter what unless kentucky yeah. somebody beats georgia which would be crazy which is possible yeah. though, i mean i don't know kentucky is kind of rolling under the radar they are six and one
0: so um, but yeah michigan texas and and um oklahoma are kind of right there oh florida's only got one loss two actually yeah Did, to kentucky
1: yeah and, <laughs> that's what i'm saying secs could get kind of crazy huh
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's looks like we're we're shooting down the stretch of a very interesting uh, race to the playoffs that's going to play out in the next month or yeah, so.
1: Those teams have some pretty decent teams at the end. I mean, like I said, even Notre Dame, they're closing stretches against bad teams, but it's like bad teams with talent. I think of something like Florida State, Syracuse, USC. So any of those teams can, you know, decide to let the talent really pull through and beat them at any point in time. So. I don't think anyone has an easy stretch by far. Alabama's getting into the heart of their schedule. Um, Oklahoma's getting into the heart of their schedule. I really don't know about Clemson, but I don't really respect the ACC. So we're going to
0: see. I agree with you on There's that. Some
1: exciting football coming up. So at least it'll make it interesting. I still think if they went to six teams, it'll be a lot better. Do wild card teams, put two teams on by the first and second team. I don't really think you can make many mistakes after one through six. Anything else is kind of a stretch every year. But if you get one through six right, I don't think anyone can complain.
0: Uh, all right, before we get back on football, I want to jump back to the NFL real, real quick. Um, I do have to mention, I think Patrick Mahomes, I mean, that guy is flat-out incredible. Um, you know, 22 touchdowns in his first game, or first eight games, um, and the way they dominated – Cincinnati last night Cincinnati is not a bad team but this Chiefs team and I know you and I are both hesitant to crown the Chiefs because we see them start you know six and one every year six and two and then all of a sudden they end up 10 and six or 11 and five and losing the first round but this this feels like a different Kansas City team
1: yeah I mean uh, I'm gonna look at their offense they just have so many weapons it's so hard to defend this is a this is one of those things when you get the perfect quarterback with the perfect perfect offensive coordinator, man. It's just It just looks like magic. Everything looks so easy. You never know who's going to break out. They're comfortable running the ball. They can play every style you want. And I just really don't see how you can defend these guys. And the defense is serviceable. I mean, I look at them, and it looks a lot like the, my Eagles last year when they won. They just had that feel. Like, everybody's hesitant because they always fail and they always mess up. But this year, they're just playing with a different sort of confidence. Um, That I hadn't seen And they have all the tools They have a high-powered offense Their defense isn't good But they can get a pass rush And that's really all that matters in the NFL If you can score 40 and 50 points And you can get a pass rush Make them continue to drop back and pass with you Then, I mean, you can always stay in the game So I I like Kansas City I think Kansas City is serious I think the Rams are serious They're my top two picks to go I want to see that matchup Rams versus um, Kansas City in the Super Bowl So that's what I'm looking at, man. I think Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. It definitely
0: looks that way. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see. I mean, the Rams look unstoppable, like you said.
1: Um, How good is that dude? That dude is just just, so good.
0: Three touchdowns a game, basically. I mean, that's just what he does. (laughs) So effortless.
1: He's incredible. And that that draft has turned out to be a pretty good running back draft, just to go back. Um, And now I think Ty Gurley has a chance to break – your whole skill position thing because that dude is literally carrying the team.
0: He might. I mean he's but he's also a once in a generation superstar. I I also think Saquon Barkley could be in that mold. Um Barkley's actually one of the best running backs I've I've really ever
1: seen. But And you know who's um, you know who's kind of underrated in this whole conversation? That never gets any love and all he does is produce. Uh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon <laughs> the Chargers yep. That dude produces just like Gurley, but you just never hear him in the discussions outside of fantasy football. I don't think I ever hear talk about Melvin Gordon.
0: You kind of hear that. I mean, just about the Chargers in, in general. I mean, they, they're five and two, and no one talks about the Chargers being any good. Um, you know, I, I actually think that the Chargers are a very sneaky team to watch for this year. I mean, they've won, they've lost, or excuse me, they've won four in a row. They're five and two. They're right behind Kansas City. So as well as Kansas City's playing. The, the Chargers are right on their ass. So, um, you know, I definitely think that that the Chargers, if they can stay healthy and get right, which is always their issue, that they're gonna be a problem um that they're gonna be a problem moving forward. You know, and I I'm not super sold on the AFC this year. I don't think there's very many good AFC teams. I mean New England is is good, but they also play in just a cupcake division. I don't think the Steelers good. I don't think the Bengals are I think they're average. I think the Ravens are average um, and then that, that AFC South's a complete mess. So I think that's going to come down to Kansas City,
1: New England, and, and the Chargers. I don't want to get too off track, but I wonder is it still like the Like with me, I've always been like an NFC guy. No matter, you know, I got my team, my team that I like, but outside of that, I've always been like an NFC guy. Just like in the NBA, I've always been a, like an Eastern Conference guy. I, I watched a Western Conference, but I've always been more interested in Eastern Conference. Are so you that way? Or is it just whatever your team is in? Um, it sounds like you bang well, on the AFC a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the AFC is not good. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like if I were a fan of, a, of an Eastern Conference NBA team, I would say that the the, the, the Eastern Conference is no good. Um, you know, that's just a fact. like the facts. like the hardest divisions are typically in the NFC. I mean, there's no way that, you know, typically with the exception of, of a few years where the, uh, the, Cowboys or or the Eagles or someone who would not go 9 and 7 and, and win the NFC East. For the most part, I mean, you can look at some of these divisions in the AFC and think that 9 games in the south will get you in and 9 games in the north will get you in. However, you go down to the NFC oh, no, and no, no, the you got to win 10 11 games. Yeah,
1: well, the north is kind of the the argument of being like the I guess the SEC cuz they're so tough. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's what typically they, that's what you they got claim. more talent throughout a conference, competition within a conference. But AFC is really, yeah. really top heavy, so I give you that.
0: Right, and then you got the NFC, where I mean, like I said, Washington or Dallas are going to have to win ten games to get in. Minnesota going to have, or Green Bay is going to have to win ten games to get in. And everyone in the NFC North is five hundred or better. Um, you know, the the NFC South. The Falcons are the worst team in that division, and they're not a bad team. Yeah. So you know, with the exception of the Rams, the who South are playing is uh, and,
1: crazy over the last ten years, the South might have been one of the craziest divisions because I think yeah it's they don't something have repeat like Nobody's ever, ever won the division twice or something like that. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So you know, the NFC is typically a tougher conference, and that's why I always maintain my argument about Tom Brady that if he played in the NFC and Aaron Rodgers played in the AFC. I think that Aaron Rodgers, we'd be talking about him as the the greatest quarterback of all time, and Tom Brady would have. I think he'd have a Super Bowl or two, but I don't think that he would be. I, I don't think if he played in the NFC, the NFC, he would have five rings or go to the Super Bowl seven times.
1: Uh, I don't know if I could say that. I would say that um, his regular season might have been a little tougher, and he might have, you know, missed a couple of opportunities but i just i think he still would have been great though i just, i don't know if my cuz there's a couple of one of those seasons he went what 16 and 1 and didn't lose until the the finals what was 18 and 1
0: yeah so i mean well, with the, that, yeah, well they went 17 and 1 i'm not saying tom brady i'm not one of those guys who says tom brady is a system quarterback i think tom brady is a great quarterback however like lebron james in the nba he has had the benefit of playing in a disgustingly weak conference i mean the the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills have been abominations for the better part of 20 years. Since Tom Brady's been in the league, the Dolphins have never been good. The Jets are good every few years, and the Bills made the playoffs for the first time last year in 20 years. So, you know, it's not like he's going through... Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Baltimore—you know, week in and week out. But
1: typically, he ends up playing. And the only argument is that he has to play those weak teams twice, which I get. It gives them easy—you know, twelve and yeah, you know, twelve and. So you
0: can get to seasons. the you guarantee a playoff yeah. spot, and then and because you're gonna the win the East. conference, so it that
1: really matters. If you if they go ten and six, traditionally they win their conference easily, and you get in if you win your conference, you automatically in exactly. Team. So I see the argument. I just. Just play against who you play against. But then again, I will make the opposite argument about LeBron. I think that's what makes his getting to the finals, you know, 10 straight times. It just doesn't do anything for me just for the simple fact that the Eastern Conference has been historically weak for like 10 years. And the only competition that he had, he actually switched teams to the Heat because he couldn't get rid of the only competition, his real competition that he had, which was the Celtics. So he didn't get past the Celtics with his team, kind of like Jordan did with Detroit. Um, He switched teams, team up with some people to get past his only nemesis, and then after that, it's been weeks since the Celtics.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I still think getting to the finals that many times is impressive, but, you know. Didn't Jerry West get
1: there like nine times?
0: Yeah, but we're talking about, like, in modern-day NBA. I don't count anything that happened pre, like, 75 in the nba i just man
1: don't. i'm glad you said that because i do got something interesting we're gonna say that let's get into the nba first off let's t- top it off with the fight you see the clip of the the chris paul rajon rondo fight
0: yeah what do you um think, man? that's that's insane i think look and you look at the video R- rondo clearly spit yeah, on him or he did. i mean and chris paul is pissed off from the jump and and I don't know about you, but anybody that's bit like, that's that's the lowest, that's the biggest degrading, that's the lowest level of low that you can go. And he did it. He did and it that, so
1: sneaky, though. He did the little, <laughs> the little. Yeah. Little
0: sp- and that made me lose a lot of respect for Rondo. So Rondo's one uh-huh. of those people,
1: though. He's one of those people that, like, if you fought him, he definitely doesn't have any rules. He's going to do whatever to get under your skin. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering. He's a
0: dude you want on your team. So this
1: is what I'm <laughs> curious about how LeBron's going to react because Rondo just spit in the face of your best friend and then Rondo and Ingram tried to fight them. But let's not forget that LeBron is like best friends with Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. How does this affect? The I had,
0: I actually had an issue with the way LeBron handled that. Like
1: he was being diplomatic. I get it.
0: Well, so look, if we're, if we're best friends, like if you and I are best friends and we're playing on opposite teams, like, look. When we're on the court, at the, for those forty-eight minutes, we are not best friends. And I, I gotta have my team's back. You gotta have your team's back. And you know, it's one thing to pull your boy out of the scrum, be like, hey, you know, chill, cool, we cool. Uh, but to walk your guy to the bench, like with your arm around him, and he's on the other team, I was like, that's not a good look, Bron. Come on, like you say, he hey, don't, CP, he don't I got have it. any
1: connections with those guys? He just got there this summer.
0: Still, but that's that's your team though.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's that's the tough one, man. That,
0: that's your team. So, cause he's got to ride with these dudes for, you know, the rest of the yeah, year but at he, least. He so didn't get
1: any of those dudes shipped out, that ain't really your problem. The only reason they I still mean, are there that, is because that he is
0: allowed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's true. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if any one of them dudes say, "Hey, Brian, you have my back." Yes. Yeah, so? so. <laughs> I, mean, I can I can send
1: you to a team that I have your back.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the magic is a coach. You want to go to a place where people got you back? Guess what? Cleveland <laughs> calling your name.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I don't know. I think I would have had to. I think he showed tremendous restraint because I don't think he has that relationship with Rondo. Like, I wouldn't even say he likes Rondo. But for him to not get in the middle of it and kind of pull him to the side is just. I just, I don't know, Rondo's one of those people, which I don't think the Rondo, Len Stevenson, LeBron thing is going to work, because Rondo and Len Stevenson, they're just players that try to get under your skin, you know, they're annoying, I mean, I think Rondo's going to be a great coach when he retires, Rondo's one of those throwback players from like the 70s, (laughs) but...
0: Well, they call him a basketball savant. So, I mean, I mean the dude. Everything I heard about he him was to good, coach.
1: like studying film and knowing, the, like, I think he orchestrated a lot of what New Orleans did in the playoffs. But for you to be that good, you to be that smart and that talented, they say, ah, we could let you go, though, and bring in Alfred Payton.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair.
1: I mean, so how, how, how good for the team are you if you lead them to probably their their most success that they've had over what? since Chris Paul was there with David West. hmm Yeah. <laughs> and then they just let you go for Alfred Payton. That's kind of crazy.
0: I mean, but we we all know that Rondo's kind of over the hill. It's not like we're talking about prime 2007, 2008 Rondo. But
1: still, man, he was like a perfect fit for the team. I mean, he still got production. He was okay with, you know, when they wanted to close out the game with Drew Holiday. he was basically assistant coach with Alvin Gentry on a lot of those games. So what I'm saying is there's something outside of that. Like people just can't deal with that dude. No matter how good you are, no matter how smart you are, people just can't deal with that dude. Ever since Kevin Garnett has retired, nobody's been able to keep him under control. I think Kevin Garnett was the only person he respected.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I you know, I, I just I I think a lot less of Rondo now. I think that um I just think that's the lowest of the low. But while we're on the Lakers Here's what I want to know. I actually don't think that this team is going to be good for Lonzo Ball. I think at some point they are going to trade him, or he's just going to spend his entire career being an average to above average player. Um, That's kind
1: of
0: because bad. the kind of point. I don't know, man. Like the kind of point guard that he is. I, like he, I, I know he gets compared to Jason Kidd, and. You know, I I remember when Jason Kidd was being forced his last year in Dallas to run the triangle under one of Phil J- Jackson's um, assistants, uh, Jim Clemens, and it was like watching. I mean, it was awful. It was awful to see. You have a great open uh, open floor point guard. You have to let him grab the rebound and run, and that's what Lonzo can do. But and I don't know system, that this
1: though. the system that uh... right.
0: But he's not a ball. He's not the primary ball handler, which I think. Lonzo has to be to be a great point guard to make the decisions too and that's how he's gonna get better.
1: Well I don't I mean I don't think you've really seen Lonzo though, because Lonzo's been hurt. He hadn't really played with the team. He's coming back, he's coming off the bench, but they're really just working him back. No one really believes right. that Rondo's gonna keep the starting position all year. And even in the little bit of time that Lonzo's been out there, Lonzo's shooting like forty percent from three point line and his shot looks a lot better. See me, I think Lonzo's just a baller. Like, I think he is like a Jason Kidd. All the stuff, the nitpicking, a lot of that's just because people don't like his dad. Because that dude's a baller. He balled last year. He can adjust to the game. People love to play with him because he's a pure passer. He hadn't played in a while, so people have forgotten how good that Lakers team. I mean, his his win share himself was like a 15-point win share. They went up to like, what, 36 games? <laughs> Yep. Um, just by adding Lonzo, that, that style of play was different towards the second half of the season. They were one of the highest scoring teams in the league. And that's a lot because of Lonzo getting steals, pushing a pace, passing the ball, a combination of him and Randall. Now, I know LeBron is a, a better version of Randall, like a way better version of Randall. But in his, his career now, he's okay with having a younger point guard bring the ball down if he respects you. Because Kyrie brought the ball down a lot and especially with the second unit. So I think I think Lonzo's going to be really good. I think he's going to benefit from LeBron. I think that Lakers team is going to be a lot faster. My only gripe with that team is no outside shooting. At some point, they're just going to pack the lane like the Spurs do.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I, I am a Alonzo fan. I think that he's a great player. Um, but I also know that being a point guard in the NBA is the toughest position to you know, kind of learn. And, and it usually takes four or five years. You and I have talked about this before um, to really get going. And I, th- I think that LeBron could actually stymie that, you know, becoming at such an early point in his career. I mean, Kyrie was four four years into the league when, when Bron came back. So he knew who he was. We knew what he could do. We're still trying to figure out how good Lonzo can be. See, I, think, so, I don't
1: think so, though. I think we know that Lonzo's good. I mean, what he, his passing is, like, next level. There's, this is like a once-in-a-generation passer that you had. This is, this is going to be this generation's Jason Kidd. The way that kid passes and moves the ball, he sees things before other people see things. I remember his first summer league game, his first play was like a oop from half court when they have always ran that play and nobody's ever thrown that pass because he has elite vision. You put that with LeBron and get those guys really running the court with Kuzma, That's going to be a fast, young team once they get going. Even when he got with the Heat, there was an adjustment period. I think there was like 15 games where they really struggled. Because LeBron, you have to get the feel for playing with LeBron, and he has to get the feel of your strengths. But I think LeBron is really going to help Lonzo become one of the best passers and players that I've seen. And I think that is going to force him to develop his game faster than he probably would. So we won't be like Jason Kidd saying, man, what if Jason Kidd only had a three and didn't wait until, you know, he got to Dallas to win a championship because LeBron's going to hold him accountable. LeBron's going to put him in position and make him, you know, grow faster than he normally would. Jason Kidd never had that.
0: So we're, you know, first weekend of the season and, um, I want to ask who are your league pass teams so far? Uh, We kind of talked a bit about this in the last lost episode, but um, now that we've actually had a week under our belt to, I mean, not to say, you know, anyone's good. Anyone's bad, but are there any fun teams? So by the way, in case y'all are out there, in case y'all missed it, um, what the NBA does, and this just goes to show why the NBA is a great league or the greatest league is because they gave a free week of NBA league pass. um, And, They'll, they usually do it again around Christmas time. So y'all always keep a watch out for those of you who are still trying to get into the NBA season. And if you uh, have anyway, the NBA man,
1: who, app and you log on, they'll give it to you free on the app too. So through the first two weeks, you get the free radio and the free game. So you can watch streaming online just through the NBA app.
0: So, I mean, the, the NBA is doing things right. And you and I have talked about it. Um, I, you know, I just think that the NBA is the league that you really want to model after. And I'm getting real tired, by the way, before we get to the question. <laughs> that, that, like, I was trying to, I, you know, I I get excited about the NBA, and I had a buddy who who tells me, and it's the pe- people who don't watch the NBA that piss me off the most because they're like, uh, they don't play any defense in the NBA. The, the regular season doesn't matter. They don't play hard. And I always look at him. I say, how many NBA games have you watched yeah. over the past five years? And they go, well, like, three or four. And I'm like, well, why are you talking? You just that same rhetoric that you've been like fed by some other college basketball pure is pure uh kind of mentality. You watch the NBA now, you watch that, especially in the post ISO ball uh era that we're in, the NBA is the most beautiful game on the planet. Yeah,
1: and that's why I like the NBA more than college. Like I like there's a there's a pureness about college, but it's kinda like the argument of people saying in the 50s they play real basketball because it's like a lot of passing and things like that. But you people have to understand, it's, it's two totally different games. There's a reason why a guy only scores 12 in college and then he comes to the NBA and averages 35. That's not no defense. It's a rule change. I mean, you get away with a lot more in college. They let you play a lot more physical. They'll let a person just stand in front of the rim. That's the biggest thing is – They let people stand in the lane so people can't drive and score as easy. The NBA is a wide-open game. They have a bigger court, and on top of that, with the new freedom of movement, you can't put people in the paint. You can't have your big man just standing in the lane, and you have the elite of the elite in the world. Just remember, on the college basketball court, whoever's the best player on that is scoring 30, that's like the 15th man that can't even get on the roster in the NBA. Everybody scores 30 in college. Those dudes, the 15th right. man probably was a national player of the year or something. So it's just a lot different game, and I hate when people say that too.
0: Yeah, so who are your league pass teams so far? Anybody that you're watching closely that maybe you didn't think that you would be um, starting out so soon?
1: I would say the Knicks. <laughs> I haven't missed a Knicks game. I think the Knicks are intriguing. I like what Fisdale's doing. I like how they play. It reminds me a lot of Miami style. I've I really been watching every game of the Knicks. And, of course, outside of the heat, I always watch Denver games. So those have been the two teams that I've really been watching closely. It was Denver and the uh, Knicks. I really like the Knicks. What about you? Yeah,
0: I unfortunately, I haven't had a ton of time to watch as much NBA as I want to or sports and journals as I want to. But um, when I have, I, I, you just said one of the teams, It's it has been uh, Denver. Um they just I just had a I think that win against the
1: Warriors last night. They looked good. Just last night?
0: Yeah, and I caught the end of that game. And I think they're a team to, to really watch. I, I think that they could end up being a top-five seed in the West. I mean, obviously, you know, and, and I want everybody to know that, that was a preseason pick that you and I discussed, yes. that D- Denver is going to be a good team this year. So, um, and if they can get, which they may just um, let Michael Porter Jr. just rest the whole year, but if they can get anything out of him, who knows how good they're going to be.
1: Yeah, I think they're – and they're, they're. Mike Malone is really good at developing players. That's the scary part because, like I said, there's a there's few coaches in the league. Some people, they just got talent. They put talent out there, like – When you get with the Cleveland Cavs with LeBron, they just put players that can play out there. They didn't develop a lot of talent. But when you look at teams like Denver, Miami, Utah, Utah, they're developing players that you wouldn't even know. You can see these players getting better. Like Joe Ingles when he came in, he was like cut from two other teams. And now this dude might be one of the best small forwards in the league because these teams just develop talent. Um, That's what I see from the Knicks. I mean, they're playing players – and they, their style of play, they play so hard. They play hard-nosed defense. I really like Frank uh, Tillalinka. I know I messed his name up. Nina, Nina Kila. Kila. There you go. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I, I attempted it, but, you know, I am Charles Barkley, so I was bound to get it wrong. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I really like their style of play. I like how they push the ball. I like how they play defense. Um, another sneaky team is the Clippers. I really like the Clippers' style of play. And Tobias Harris—he's probably one of the best players that no one talks about. Tobias Harris is always really flies really under good.
0: the radar. Radar. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're going to start to see that more and more in the NBA as the teams like Utah and Denver and a lot of teams that that claim to be small market, well, that are smaller market teams have success. I mean, but those type of coaches, so far, with the exception, I, you know, you talk about the Clippers. I just I don't think Doc Rivers is. Necessary. I don't, I don't think he's a great coach, but he has his, especially not so anymore. So, Doc
1: Rivers is one of those limited type of coaches. Like, he's good when he has his style of team. And I actually think he has his style of team that he wants. With pa- Patrick Beverly, Avery Bradley, um, then you got Lou Williams. Like, he has a good – that's a good team out there that he can coach because there's no superstars, there's no egos, and then they want to play hard defense. He took all those egos. He got rid of all those egos. And with doing that last year, in the middle of the year, they still were like one game out of the playoffs. Just like Denver missed Paul Millsap for like 40 games. They still were one game out of the playoffs. I think these teams are teams that you're really going to have to fear this year because both teams went through adversity and they persevered through. A lot of those teams that made it didn't go through a lot of you know, injuries and rough patches.
0: Well, and I think that's that's what's so great about the NBA. I mean, you look at a coach like Brad Stevens, who you know, you're starting to see that more and more as we as we get we, we have a deeper NBA league. There's so much talent in the league right now that people you know, they want to focus on Golden State, but Golden State was was homemade. Yes. You know, that they were homebrewed and the only the only free agent of substance that they got was Kevin Durant and now we want to talk about Boogie Cousins. But that team was homegrown. And um, I think that's you the know, new
1: format of the NBA because you're seeing that now. Teams are wanting more to build through the draft, build their own system up. Because the new team is Denver, they've done that.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, you and you look at how you know even the the Pelicans last year, how good they. I know they brought in Rondo um, and Boogie, but for the most part, that's a lot of homegrown talent too. Uh, That made them success. It's just small teams like that that you're starting to see that they're doing things quote-unquote What was known as the Spurs way is kind of becoming the way of the NBA now
1: Yeah, but I like the fact that teams. I don't know if the drafts just been deeper, but I just like the way that um, Teams are starting to develop their talent because it it shows you can't just throw money at the problem um, a lot of teams think it's the old school where you can just go buy two or three players, but that's not sustainable anymore, and that's the problem that LeBron ran into was that he built his team in the old structure, well, and it was actually not even a, it wasn't even a long period of time for that structure because they did that, those new, I mean, the new cap rules kind of messed that up after the heat but the building a team thing did not last long golden state has shown if you got your own talent there's so many cap tricks to keep these people together and it's just a longer living dynasty it's kind of old school 80s lakers you know 80s celtics which coincides with what i think
0: was the last great talent boom um was the 80s and that's when you had a golden age of basketball and i think like as you know i'm on record of saying it i Think we're we're in another golden age i just think that yeah, this I definitely is
1: definitely think we're in the best basketball like we don't even know what we're getting right now
0: right i mean you think about how many great players are on i mean you look at a like you look at Kawhi leonard in in um in toronto you look at russell westbrook in oklahoma cities these aren't celtics lakers bulls you know you're big i mean there are stars literally everywhere throughout the nba even if you're a fan of i don't know the the charlotte hornets who i think are a shit team But it's got to be fun to watch Kimba play night in and night out.
1: Yeah, the um, distribution of talent is crazy in the NBA right now. Um, I I mean, but it's good. This is like the, like I said, it's like the 80s. It's like things, I've been watching that new series on ESPN, um, Basketball, A Love Story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, a lot of it reminds me of today. Just the, the era of basketball, how good all these players were. We forgot about how much talent was like in the 80s. Uh, and some of the things that they've done. But if you look at, like right now, if you look at the averages of Westbrook, like Westbrook walking on the court, <laughs> every time he walks on, he's a triple-double. This is something that no one's seen before. Even Oscar didn't do it like this. Like last night was his first game back from a knee injury and had like 25-10-8. This is just a walking triple-double. It's, yep. And I don't think all of it's stat, Patty. Now. now, they did say – Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead.
0: I was going to say, yeah, I mean, some of it is, but, I mean, it's still very impressive to be able to do that in today's NBA.
1: I just don't I, don't I don't, see him, like, actively. He just has that intensity. I like the interview that he gave after Carmelo Anthony said something about him stat padding, and it made a lot of sense. He said, if you're sitting there waiting for the rebound to come to you, then I'm just going to go get it so I can push the ball. So when you see him stealing rebounds from his teammates, I guarantee you it's not Stephen Adams or Jeremy Grant. It's players like Carmelo because they're waiting for the ball to come to them, and he goes to get the ball. He's just ultra-aggressive in everything he does.
0: Now, in that same regard, I do think that you're in a place, like, I don't think he would be able to do this in the 90s or the 80s because one, one thing that we know now is that you know, the evolution of the big man is, you know, Russell Westbrook isn't coming in the lane against Antonio and Dale Davis and grabbing 10 rebounds a game. It ain't happening. Charles Barkley, um, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon, guys that when you had an actual center, actual power forward, you ain't getting those rebounds. So, um, But it's
1: also because your coach is not going to let you do it because they're going to hit you. You don't want your guard taking that much punishment going into the lane if they don't have to. So it was a lot lot more physical. and with these new rules that they put in this year that freedom of movement rule that's why you're seeing these scores like 130 and 140 yeah we're going, going back, back to the back ABA, aba days scores. yeah aba scores like i think in like the first game i want to say like three players from the warriors got 30 points <laughs> i mean it's
0: just, which it's, it's, you know what's funny when i when when paul pierce said a, a month ago that he said that three players from the warriors are going to score 50 points in one game and they're going to be the first team to score 200 points I just remember how stupid I thought he was and still kind of think he is. But, I mean, three players scored 30. Now I'm starting to think, like, well, I mean. I don't
1: know if we're that far away, man. I think these scores early on have been nuts. I mean, they've been like, what, 130 to 117? Yeah. like Because you, you literally can't touch people coming off a screen, so you're just getting free releases of people just scoring. Curry has scored 30 in every game. I mean, can you imagine? Like, we always talk – about like how Curry is soft and thin frame, but that dude takes he takes a, a lot beating of punishment. Yeah, he it does. takes a beating every game coming off those screens because they're just hitting them down low and they let you play. They've taken that away. If, if they would have had this two years ago, it's no way that LeBron don't come back. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what's crazy is like
0: I think the biggest misconception is like oh well Curry's only a shooter. You know he's he's just a shooter. I'm like well you don't watch the NBA if you think Steph Curry's only a shooter because he can get to the hole at will. Um, yeah, he
1: attacks the rim a lot. He
0: does, and it's something that he actually does not get a lot of credit
1: for. But I mean, the refs don't even give him credit for because they hammer him inside, and he probably gets the least amount of and ones. Like I've seen people blow on Harden and get a foul, and people knock Curry down, and he doesn't get anyone. So he definitely doesn't even get that respect from the ref. Yeah,
0: so I, I think we're on the verge of very exciting NBA season. Um, I, I'm just excited that it's here. Um, you know, I, although I'm still getting used to seeing DeMar DeRozan, in, like like Kawhi on the Raptors isn't that weird to me, but DeMar DeRozan in a Spurs jersey and Tony Parker in a Charlotte Hornets jersey is... By the way, I love that throwback for the Hornets. I love that court. I love those jerseys. I am here for it.
1: Well, you got to do something to get people to watch because, I mean, the basketball is terrible, but I guess, you know...
0: Man, <laughs> I forgot that they did that, and I was in Seattle last week, uh, and my buddy is from um, Wisconsin, so... He flipped on the uh Wisconsin and Hornets or excuse me, the the Bucks Hornets game. And uh man, I looked not I had to double take. I was like, oh shit. I forgot that they threw back that court and those jerseys like that. That's that's just such a good move.
1: Yeah, and it's early, but quietly Kimba's having a pretty good season himself. Uh he's he's showing that maybe he's ready to take that next step. His game has looked a lot more efficient. Maybe their coach was holding them back because he looks a lot different. But, I mean, I may tell you, you know, DeRozan and Kawhi, that looked like the perfect trade to me because I like both of those players in those spots. Like, it feels like the perfect trade to put Kawhi in uh, Toronto. That team looks a lot different. The ball moves a lot freer. It seems like Larry's playing better and with more energy. Just Kawhi being there made that team a lot better a lot faster. And I don't even, I can't even really explain why. It doesn't look like he's doing a lot different than DeRozan, but it just looks like he's a much better fit. And then you take Kawhi, I mean, you take DeRozan and put him on the Spurs. Now Kawhi isn't like ball dominant with them anymore. Now it's um, DeRozan freedom of movement. Everyone's getting a ball. You don't have that Aldrich Kawhi thing going on. It just looks a lot better for both teams. So, where would you put it right now? What What are the odds at, or what is
0: the percentage that you think Kawhi stays with Toronto? 70%. I was going to say, I think it's about 75% that I think the Lakers, once again, overplayed their hand, and for the second year in a row, I think they're going to miss out on a player that they were targeting because they assumed that because they're the Lakers they're going to be able to get these guys in free agency. I, I, I think Isn't that Kawhi... is funny
1: just how getting LeBron, like, changed that for them? Did They totally forgot that over, like, the past 10 years, they've been the Knicks, that every free agent was destined to go there and none of them went. And some and of now, them wouldn't even take a meeting. Yeah, and they get LeBron, and for some reason, they thought all of that changed. Like, oh, we got LeBron, so all that's going to change now. Like, it's still the same way. Once players get to these other cities, then they love these cities, even though they're smaller... They love him, and then they don't go to the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go to the Lakers.
0: I wouldn't go to the Lakers either. I I, I would be willing to bet that Kawhi resigns in Toronto, especially if they have a good year, especially if they make it deep in the playoffs. And I think that you're going to look at uh, the general manager for the Raptors, uh, and I think they're going to laud uh, uh, Majiri for being a great GM and being willing to take a chance on... You know, a superstar like Kawhi, who I think he's going to find that that quiet guy probably doesn't want to be the focal point of of the attention that comes with being a Laker. So I, I think he stays.
1: Yeah, and that's a lot of it. I think that it's come. It's not like the old days where you had to go to L.A. to get fame and fortune. Like now, you can do the same thing from anywhere in the world. And with L.A., it's like one of those places. Do you really want to live in Vegas? Or do you just want to go back there for the summer and then have a place to get away? I think that's what L.A. is becoming. I mean, I don't think teams really want to – players really want to live there all year. Um, like, everyone thinks that Anthony Davis wants to be there now. He may, but I don't know, man. Just they, They've been turned down by a lot of players. I have to think that Mystique is gone.
0: And, you know, I think it's just a media-driven narrative at this point that, oh, the Lakers, you know, playing in L.A. I, I like you said, I don't think motherfuckers are just dying to play in L.A., especially when you talk about, like, state income taxes and, and you know, the fact that the Lakers have kind of proven to be incompetent up until last year uh, for uh, the better part of the last, you know, I would say since that 2010-2011 season season. Um, or maybe 2012, 2013 when they got Nash and Dwight. But, the, I mean, for a good five-year stretch, that they was, proved that to be pretty. The,
1: that was the beginning of the end, though.
0: Yeah, they, they proved to be pretty incompetent. Yeah. That And pe- and one thing that you're finding and one thing that's great about LeBron and today's superstars, they don't want to play for a garbage organization or, or, or a terribly run organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, you saw the effects of that with LeBron. And um, I think he's changed the culture of everyone – will be willing to take less as long as you're going to a good or, good organization and especially not signing these long-term term deals to get you locked in. Uh, but Jimmy Butler is going to be another example of that. I mean, he didn't have any control. He got traded to Minnesota, but that's him saying, no, I'm not going to lock myself in to a bad situation just because you have my bird rights. I'd much rather go, rather go to a better team. And I think it preserves your career too because it doesn't put so much on you. Um, but, I mean, owners got to get better that's why i like this new trend of building through the draft because people have just been drafting terribly for so many years and not even being held accountable it doesn't seem because there's only so many times you can be the orlando magic and get the you know top 10 pick and never get a point guard.
0: yeah but i mean you look at you look at the orlando magic i always say yeah they're they're one of the worst franchises in in the nba but these dudes been to the finals Tw- you know, twice out of their twenty-five or thirty-year existence, and that's more than you can say for damn near half the NBA. So when they hit, they hit. Yeah, but I but mean, no. a lot of
1: that was pure luck. I mean, you don't get a Penny Hardaway in a shack in like two separate drafts, and they still manage to mess that up. So I don't know. I'm just not giving them a lot of credit, man.
0: Yeah, but no, I agree with you. I think overall, I, I and we'll probably get into this as the NBA season goes forward. And for those of you who are listening who aren't huge NBA fans. Uh, we do talk a lot of NBA on this show and we want to educate you maybe we'll challenge you uh, you know pick an NBA team we'll talk to you about it why you should or shouldn't be a fan um, it's really I-, I think that you know it's a good time to get on board with the NBA I really do
1: yeah it is progressing faster than any other league I mean besides for I mean soccer but other than that it's becoming an international sport and anytime a sport becomes international the NFL will never be more than an American sport because they don't really play it in other countries.
0: And for the most part, you're starting to see that, like, the decline with baseball. Uh, baseball has become a very regional sport, basically saying that if, you know you, – you, I mean, you look at baseball, right? I mean, yeah, there's fans out there like, I like the Cardinals, but if the Cardinals aren't in the playoffs, I don't give a shit. I'll watch, but I'm not going to – I mean, how much have you heard about the World Series right now?
1: I haven't heard too much of anything. There's not a lot. Damn of Damn near nothing. For
0: it. Exactly, and that and that's crazy. And these are two of the most historic franchises in baseball history, and there's still not a lot of buzz. So, yo, know, there's no you. You get a week to think about the NBA Finals and anticipate the matchups. You get two weeks to think about the Super Bowl, and baseball just. I mean, I bet if you polled half the people in the country right now, they couldn't tell you who was in the uh, in the World Series.
1: Well, it's crazy though. I would wonder how many people even know that the World Series going on, you know, general population, would you know? Like, I don't think there's a commercial that comes on that I don't know the NBA Finals is coming. But it might just be me because I'm paying attention to it. So I don't watch baseball, and I hadn't seen a lot of advertisement for it. So has there been a lot? Because I hadn't seen much.
0: No. I mean, and they – not really. <laughs> so, you know, the, the game starts tomorrow, and I, w- I, like I said, I would be curious to see how many people who uh, are just casual sports fans – know who's in the world series right now so and if those if you're still wondering who it is it's the Boston Red Sox and LA Dodgers so (laughs) it should actually be a pretty good series but again I don't think that it's going to be I just don't think people in baseball people only care about their team and that's it
1: so uh you know I'll kind of mention it briefly have you caught that ESPN uh documentary called basketball a love story
0: uh I've I've seen a, a an episode and a half but I haven't gotten to dive into it like I want to
1: yeah, so it's 64 chapters, which are all just basically mini clips, but it all runs together like a movie. If you have the ESPN app, you can watch like all 64, but they're pretty much all broken down into episodes. So it's like one episode is like eight of those clips, and they're supposed to be like, I guess, eight of them. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. And they're airing them every Tuesday um, for like a two-hour episode. But I've watched, you know, one, two, and three. They aired three and four last week. I went back and watched one and two. And one and two isn't as interesting as three and four. So if I was gonna air it, I could see why they didn't air one and two on T V.
0: Yeah, the first one that I caught that was that the one with Diane Tarasi and uh um it was about Pat Summit.
1: Yeah, no, that's actually that's a later one, I thought. Yeah, I think that Okay, I saw there. that one. Yeah. Um, you must have saw that online. I don't think that aired on TV.
0: Uh, I don't know. But I am definitely very interested in this series. I mean, it's just something that, like I said, you and I both love basketball. And I can't wait to see, you know, what's I, – And I, I love the history of the NBA and really going and reliving. Like, I can't watch old football games. I just can't. I couldn't watch a football game that happened yesterday if I already know the score. <laughs> but I could watch a game – from 1995 or 1984 and be just as happy watching an nba game what about a game from 1974 see i i don't believe in the nba <laughs> post 1970 or pre-1975 i don't, I see, just don't believe. that's in why it. i
1: like the that's why i like the show man they they put a lot of it in there it's a lot of information it's a lot of teaching um because they're small um, little excerpts you can um watch it at your own pace and kind of learn but they talk a lot about the history of the games. That's why I really love it. Um, they had the Spencer Hayward, how he integrated, basically allowed you to come from, be a one-and-done player, come straight from high school. It was his lawsuit. Uh, I didn't even realize that dude's a referee. now. I just saw him last night. But I, I didn't know he was a referee. Yeah, Spencer Hayward, he's a referee. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, so, would you look at that. Yeah, but it's a lot of all history. Right, man. I like it. I've been watching it. Like I said, I've watched probably um, all four <laughs> episodes. was planning on watching a little bit more um tonight but yeah it's a really good series.
0: Yeah, so y'all should definitely check that out. It comes on ESPN every Tuesday and it's I I want to get more into it. I'm I'm excited. Once I I heard the uh, or saw the trailer for it, I was instantly pumped, so I, I look forward to watching it as well.
1: Yep, yeah, you're interested about learning. It's a lot of history in there, so um it's a, the NBA is a very very interesting league. One of my favorite ones is to have a little clip is when they talked about uh the the players not being in a union and they had this real sad one about Mari stokes and what happened to him so that made players uh try to form a union and how they did it they boycotted the all-star game because they said they didn't want to boycott the season so basically this was the first televised all-star game and the players refused to come out and you got some players on there talking about how scared they was and they really wanted to come out but you had strong leaders you know, like Oscar Robinson and Kareem in there. So they were like, well, we knew they weren't going to leave. And it even has the um, the, the um, Lakers owner coming and pulling Elgin Baylor and Jerry West out and telling them if they don't get out there, they're never going to play basketball again. Then Elgin Baylor pretty much says, fuck you, and goes back into the locker right. room. And that's how they formed the union. <laughs> that's how they formed the union in the NBA. So the NBA is probably one of the most interesting sports, especially when you get into the back details.
0: I like it. All right, man. Anything else before we get out of here?
1: Nah, that's going to be in.
0: That's it. That's all. We'll uh, be here next week. Update you on uh, the latest in the world of sports. Peace. Peace.